Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty radical, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? Jonah, we're about to take a trip to Philadelphia to see some family. And I was thinking about our trips to Philly growing up and how we would always stay at our grandparents' place in this guest room. And we would always just like watch so much TV and just like have a blast. Yeah, old school TV, like one of those kind of chunky, not a lot of channels. There were two of those small beds and some stuff in between. And then there were all these taxidermied fish up there. Yeah. Which I recently learned those fish were real or they They were real fish. I think that our grandpa Jack caught the like huge fish that was taxidermied over the TV. And then I think our uncle Dennis caught the fish that was sort of like 
taxidermied and then displayed on like a round piece of wood. Yeah. So kind of scary, I feel like for a kid for this huge, I mean, it looked like a huge kind of dolphin almost with a big fin. It was probably like 15 feet long or something. I think it was a swordfish. Are swordfish those big? Swordfish. Yeah. Swordfish. I don't think our grandpa was killing dolphins. No, not dolphins. Sorry, I meant swordfish. <laughs> also, it would have been so crazy to be like, uh, where'd you get this dolphin? <laughs> okay, yeah, it was definitely not a dolphin. It was this, yeah, okay. <laughs> or it was like a needle nose fish. It had one of those really long, skinny, pointy noses. Probably a marlin. Is that what it is? I bet you're right. Marlin. I bet you it was a marlin. Yes. I just want to just clarify again. It was not a taxidermy dolphin. (laughs) But it's crazy because we would just be like, cool, we're just going to stay in this room. There's all these taxidermied fish. I mean, it was a really nice room. And the fish, to be fair, wherever they got them, I don't think it's taxidermied. I think it's with fish, you get them like gutted and then you spray them with spray paint. It's a facsimile of the fish because fish are incredibly hard to taxidermy oh. because fish skin doesn't hold up well. I mean, they used to do it, but in modern days, it's too much work. So when you usually see a marlin on the wall, it's like a plastic marlin that is somehow the dimensions of the marlin that you caught. Yeah. So this is so interesting you say this because my <laughs> wife, Vicky, she was like, yeah, that fish is fake. And I was like, no, it's definitely not fake. And then I think it probably maybe was fake. Yeah, they used to do it. They used to like take the skin off the fish and then, you know, preserve it. And like, it's too hard. It's easier to skin a mammal like a dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, you know, like a furry animal, it's easier to skin them and just put their hide on something. But like fish skin doesn't, you know, it's why we don't have a lot of fish skin belts and things like that. Right. Because we saw a photo of it when they were selling the apartment. You could kind of see the inside and it did look kind of like plastic or something. Yeah. What I figured they did is I was like, how did they get it out of the skin or get the stuff out of it? You know, like the guts. And then it, felt like it was spray painted by this like it was had like this beautiful iridescent spray paint on it yeah it looked too perfect i think yeah i mean you guys are talking it's your show so i have time to be like your producer and google so are fish mounts made from real fish taxidermy mounts made from real fish usually only contain the skin teeth head and fins the body portion consists of a lightweight foam mold on which the skin and other fish parts are mounted and this is bolded most fish mounts are actually painted fiberglass replicas. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, my wife was right once again. I will say this fish, it was probably caught like in the, what are we going to say? 60s? 70s? 70s. It might. Either way, mostly what's there is not the actual fish. No. Maybe that's why we were never scared of it because we had a sense that... That it was just like a piece of art almost. Yeah. And that's how it was displayed as a piece of art. Yeah. 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 You know how they have them Google the questions below your initial question? Sure. Yeah. One of the questions is, can you taxidermy a fish without killing it? (laughs) Which, I mean, you know, obviously you can't, but it says like, yeah, you could just catch a fish, take a picture of it, and then a taxidermist will give you a replica of that fish, which does not seem in the gruesome spirit of hanging a creature on your wall. You know, right. It's like I could just buy then like a a teddy bear and say, like, you know, (laughs) I shot a bear. 
That's very true. Do you want to introduce today's guest? Yes, I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. <laughs> I've introduced myself already, sort of. Today's guest is an actor, a comedian, a writer, a podcaster. You may know him from Conan O'Brien's late night shows or as the voice of Mort in the Madagascar film franchise. Mm. These days, you can regularly hear him on his hit podcast, Three Questions with Andy Richter. Let's welcome, you guessed it, Andy Richter. Hi, guys. Hi, Andy. Hey, Andy. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank you for already doing so much research. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to work, but this is exactly the kind of thing that I'm all over. Like, I'd be, oh, yeah, you know what? That is kind of curious. And And it's also like that classic thing of, I know like a little bit. Like, I was kind of like, yeah, no, I think most fish are. And I have been close to the big fiberglass marlins that people hang on the wall. But I was like, yeah, you know what? I wonder if anyone does that anymore. And I'm sure that there is somebody that will take, you know, your giant largemouth bass and skin it and put it on the wall. But I just don't think it's worth the hassle anymore. It sounds like the thing to do now is to catch a fish take a picture of it, throw it back into the water, then take it to a quote unquote taxidermist or person who does that and just be like, can you recreate this fish? It was like about this big. Right. Or just go buy a fiberglass fish. Yeah. And then just tell everyone. Yeah, right. Look at me. I'm an outdoorsman. I guess the other thing you could do, and I'm not saying our grandpa, who we love very much, rest in peace, did this. But the other thing you could do is you could just go to one of those stores and go like, can I have that fish, please? Like, just buy a fiberglass fish and then like go, hey, guys, like, look at this huge <laughs> fish I've caught. Yeah, I'm a real Hemingway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Andy, did you fish when you were younger? Is that something you ever got into? Yeah, and I still really enjoy fishing. But I do not like, if I'm going to like, and I mean, I know this sounds not necessarily as morally sound as I make it sound. But I feel like if I'm going to harass a fish, I'm going to eat it. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just going to like wrestle this beautiful creature out of the deep and then go like, see ya and let it go. And then it's left like, what the fuck was that about? I feel like there is a natural process of a creature catching another creature and eating it. Yeah. You know, like my girlfriend is a vegetarian. I understand vegetarianism, but I also kind of feel like, eh, you know, look around. <laughs> You know, (laughs) creatures are eating creatures all over the place. Right, 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 right. And I have done it. I have gone and, and, you know, tried to catch marlin and stuff. And like I've caught big tarpon down in the Florida Keys. But if I go fishing, I like to go fishing for something that you can turn into protein as opposed to just, you know, a boast. Right. If it's a smaller fish, you just won't even try and do you even catch it and then throw it back in or do you not even? Well, if it's too small, then yes. you. But that's, you know, based usually on legal limits of what you can catch. Right, right, right. You know, like when I fished here in California, there's some you catch a fish and whatever kind of fish that it is, you know, like say a yellowtail, it has to be a certain length and they will, you know, check it on the boat. I don't have a boat or anything, but so I've always just gone like on yeah. charter boats and they check it and it's like, no, that's not long enough. And they throw it back. But if it is long enough, then you keep it and yum yeah. and delicious, you know, dinner later. This is something we're going to have to ask you more about offline because our dad loves to fish and he always thinks that there's no fishing in California. And I'm like, there is somewhere. Oh, sure. There's plenty of fish. Yeah. You know, forget the ocean. There's lots of trout fishing, you know, inland, more into the mountains. Yeah. You know, and then they also, they stock them, which to me, again, is always, you know, to go to a stocked pond. I know. You don't feel as much of the natural process, which is like kind of what I like. You know, it's like, 
when you grow food in your backyard and you're like, wow, I made this food from a seed. And it's kind of the same thing. I feel like when you go and catch a fish out in the ocean, it's like, right. I'm feeding my people with something that I did myself. There was no, you know. Yes. I mean, I paid a guy to let me go on his boat, but you know. Right, right. Jonah, are we thinking of, the, we both started laughing about this at the same time. Our parents live in a condo complex built around a man-made lake that has some fish in it. And our dad, I think, is the only person that actually fishes in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like a big lake. There's like a few lakes. And at one point, I think <laughs> some kind of announcement went out to everyone who lives in this condo community that was like, please don't fish in the lake. <laughs> it was only really meant for our dad. Oh, <laughs> really? Were, I think they were trying to be like polite. So they like sent it to everybody. <laughs> right, right. Of like probably 100, 200 people or something. Is it in Florida? No, it's in Ohio. It's in a oh. suburb <laughs> of Cleveland that we're from. Yeah. And they just stock it with fish. And then our dad is the only one who I think tried to fish. I know. But if they're stocking it with fish, what are they just, True. you know? Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's like teasing your dad. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm on your dad's side in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, keeps him off the streets. Exactly. Exactly. Just really funny that they didn't want to go directly to him, but they, but he's clearly the only <laughs> one doing it. Oh, yeah. See, that's going to be me. That's going to be me. Just putting a line into whatever ditch has water in it. <laughs> now, Vanessa, you interned at Late Night with Conan O'Brien, correct? I did, but you weren't there when I was there, Andy. It was after I left. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. But you're one of many, like, you know, gone on to be TV actor types that did Conan. Cause yeah. John Krasinski and Mindy Kaling. Yeah. And also Angela from The Office. Yes. Totally. And there's been a couple more, too. Yeah. There's a bunch of people. Yeah. And I mean, we really have been in this. I also did the Annoyance Theater in Chicago and stuff. Oh, you did? Oh, wow. Yeah. Was that before Conan or after Conan? That was after Conan. And what year were you an intern on Conan? I was an intern on Conan in the summer of 2003. I left in 2000. Okay. So I just missed you. Yeah, it was 2000. Yeah. By 2003, I was in L.A. Because sure. Shortly after I left Conan, I moved to Los Angeles to do Andy Richter Controls the Universe. Right, right, right. And yeah, and the annoyance, I was at the annoyance in like, oh gosh, 1989, 1990, something like that. Yeah. Did you do the other Chicago? Did you do Second City and all of Not Second City, just I did Improv Olympic. Yeah. Me too. And annoying. But I mean, then it was, now it's called Improv Olympia or something, isn't it? Well, is it still? Yes, it's still. Now it's called IO because the Olympics tried to sue them. Right. Yeah. Right. She went from Improv Olympics to Improv Olympia. And then I think just IO. Yeah, I think it was Improv. Yeah. Now it's IO and everyone knows what it stands for. Right. But you're not allowed to say Olympic. (laughs) Right. Right. So, yeah, I did the annoyance and I never did Second City because at the time, Second City just seemed like seven levels of classes. Oh, my God. There were like the A through D or something. And then the one, I don't know, there were yeah, a million classes. And very shortly after I got into sort of the improv world, I just kind of had a hunch that it wasn't really and it was being mismanaged at that time. Yes. And it was sort of resting on its laurels. Right. And it wasn't until 
oh, a, a couple of years after I was, in fact, kind of like when I was leaving Chicago, that it became kind of vital again. And a lot of people, you know, started. And I think from what I hear, and I'm just taking it from other people's word, but like Adam McKay was a big catalyst in sort of revitalizing. Oh, interesting. Second City. Yeah. And they had a change of management, too. There was somebody that was managing it who seemed to just kind of be very happy with doing old Nichols and May bits, you know? Right. And, got it. Got it. Got and then funny reviews about Alderman Puchinski and stuff like that, you know, like weird local politics. Right, right, right. Puns and things. Yeah. Yeah, that feels like a tough. Did you do Second City? I took the conserv. That's what it was. I took the conservatory classes and then I understudied the touring companies and then I started understudying the stages. But I never like worked there full time. I just was an understudy. So but Vanessa, you did work on a cruise ship and we went to the Bahamas. Oh, I worked on a cruise ship. Oh, yes. Wow. And Vanessa was one of the performers on the cruise ship. I went with my parents. You're right. <laughs> that was with Second City. You know, I don't know if you know this, Andy, but Second City signed this deal with Norwegian Cruise Lines. They no longer do it. But all these improvisers were going on cruise ships for like four months at a time. For me, it was like so fun because we just had like Two shows a week. Oh, no shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. By the time like I was on SNL and stuff, people were doing it like they had like a show every night. Like I somehow got in when it was like really easy. <laughs> really cushy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was like two shows a week. It was so. And so Jonah came. My parents came and visited me. It was just like I would just hang out on a cruise ship all the time. It was so fun. What did you do with yourself? Like just go to the buffet and load up? Yeah. I went to the islands, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a lot of karaoke on the boat because it was like, <laughs> you know, like for the guests. But of course, like we're all like little performers. Like we just wanted to do karaoke Monopolizing a it. lot of karaoke. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I once went and did karaoke with a bunch of improvisers, and I overheard an old lady go, "It's not fair. <laughs> like these people are really good." That's really funny. <laughs> I wouldn't say we were really good, but we just loved having that microphone. Sure, you know? <laughs> sure, of course, of course. Did you ever hit the casino, Vanessa? There's a casino on there, wasn't there? There was a casino. You're right. There was a casino. That was the one thing we weren't allowed to do. Uh, okay. We weren't allowed to go into the casino. You never did. Vanessa did sneak me into the crew bar once. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. There was a crew bar where the drinks were really cheap. And the like thing was like, if you were in the crew, like there are certain rules applied to the crew. They got to go to the crew bar and then certain rules applied to the people who worked on the boat who weren't considered crew and they had like more freedom on the boat, but they weren't allowed to go to the crew bar. This is so boring. But somehow <laughs> right before my time on the ship started, Second City got us like what they call dual citizenship. So we <laughs> were considered crew and we were considered passengers. So we got to go to the crew bar and the regular bar and we got to like go to all the islands and stuff. Wow. It was really incredible. I think we were one of the only casts that got that. Yeah. Then they immediately like got considered crew and then they were like had to work every night. But when I was there... It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you got that shut down. You probably talked about it too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. I'm sure we were like, this makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. You guys are dumb to let us do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with Andy Richter. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. And we are back. Andy, I had a quick question for you. I'm like been a music journalist a long time. And to me, like the 90s are such a such a vital time for music. And, you know, you were on late night from 93 to 2000. I mean, that's seeing all these bands come through. I mean, being kind of right there. I mean, are there any performances that kind of stand out to you as just like sort of blowing your mind during that era? And not so much like the actual performance on the show. I mean, it would. And Vanessa, you'll understand this, too, is like 
once you see them perform on the show, if you are into the band, you would go to rehearsal. So that would mean you'd see them do it five times. Right, right, right. You know, like the song is sort of immaterial. And and what was always interesting to me, and I don't know if people know this, you know, there's somebody in the control room that's responsible for just the timing of the show, you know, to make sure that the acts are a certain amount of minutes and that, you know, the commercials fit in. And if by the end of the show... The acts are too long. You know, you got to keep this amount of time so you can get the right amount of commercials in. And with the music in every day's script, they would have the song plotted out. And I don't know if it was by musical bars or what. It had beats. You know, it was like a standard amount of pages of whatever the song was. And they would build in camera cuts. So the band would come and they, you know, and like on our show, they'd have to be there I don't know, like 10 o'clock in the morning and we'd shot at 4.30 or 5.30, depending on the show. And they would come out and they would do the song. And the first time they did the song, just everybody's watching it. And then the next time they're setting the camera moves and the director's telling them and they're writing down the camera moves, you know, then they do that four more times. So whenever there was a band on that I really liked, I'd usually go sit in rehearsals. So by the time they did the show live, it was like, okay, this is the fifth time I've heard, <laughs> you know, that I've right, heard this. Right, right, right. I think the only band that I really pushed to have on was I was a big fan of the band The Wedding Present, which is an English kind of jangly rock, you know, guitar kind of band. I got them on the show, which I don't think they would have been otherwise. But very early on, as just an idea, we had uh, the bands perform in front of a green screen and the bands would have different choices, like whether, you know, like it would be like, do you want to perform in front of surgical footage or do you want to perform in front of like, (laughs) I think it was like oral surgery. So it was like the inside of a mouth or something or, you know, car crashes or something. And one of the choices was Andy Richter dancing around in a Nixon mask and (laughs) Frank Black of the Pixies picked that. And it was pretty early on. It was like me just in like a hoodie and shorts dancing around in a Nixon mask. Wow. Oh, my God. And that played behind them. You know, it was fun to be like, you know, Tony Bennett. It became a tradition that he would sing a song at Christmas time. So I got to know Tony Bennett. Yeah. Like I bumped into him once on the street and we just stood chatting for half an hour, you know. And you got to see things like the breeders were on and I got to see Kim Deal putting shoe polish on her gray and her hair. And I just went to chat with them before the show. And that's how she was touching up her gray roots was with shoe polish. Wow. Yeah. Very punk rock. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then this other back, like Conan's dressing room was right outside the studio door. What they called an airlock. It was like a little, you know, like 15 foot hallway, wide hallway. In that hallway, between the main hallway that ran across, you know, down the length of the building and the studio doors, it was just Conan's dressing room on one side and Conan's dressing room and the makeup and hair on one side and then my dressing room on the other side. So it was a very sort of intimate little space. And people used to hang out in Conan's dressing room during the show. He would just leave his door open and it was one of the most comfortable places. You know, it had lots of couches and things and people would just hang out in there. And apparently one time Sting came in to use Conan's personal bathroom. And apparently a macrobiotic diet creates an odor. Like when he left, he like forced everyone out of the dressing room. And as one of our writers said, Sting, they should call him smelly. I just would love to joke. Just 
It's like, you know, it should have been stink, but it was smelly. <laughs> and I think members of the Almond Brothers did drugs in Conan's bathroom at one point, like unashamedly walked past people and like, oh, here, here's a little room and went in there and like three of them and then came back out. All right. I guess that's what you want out of your Almond Brothers. You know, in the early days, one of the great things about the early days was that we didn't rate in terms of importance in other shows. So we would get guests like Shelly Winters, who other shows would look down their nose at, but who to me was, it was absolutely thrilling to have people like Shelly Winters on the show. Yeah. And Tony Randall a thousand times. He was such a dick, but like such a wonderful dick. Like again, exactly what you want out of your Tony Randalls. And we had a really great booker, Jim Pitt, who still, I think he's booking for Jimmy Kimmel still, but we got just the best bands. We broke so many really great bands that no one else would have on because they were just kind of not big enough yet or too obscure. And so we would get to do that. You know, on talk shows, and the reason so few talk shows have music today is because it has always traditionally been a channel changer. Right. Putting music on at the end of the show, it's a huge drop off in viewership because it's such a narrow cast. Like you'll sit and watch an actor that you don't really know or an actress or, I don't know, you know, an animal expert or something that you don't know because you'll give it a chance. But if a band's coming on and you don't know them and you just, you know, and you hear three seconds, like, oh, this isn't my kind of music, you'd turn away. So there was always a pretty steep drop off with bands, you know, unless it was somebody who was happened to be gigantic at the time. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. When we went down on the TBS show from an hour to a half an hour, that was one of the areas that took a hit was that we just stopped doing music because it's expensive to have a whole band. It's expensive to, you know, sometimes fly a whole band in and then, right. you know, pay everybody in the band to the after minimum of being on TV and time that it takes. So we just went to stand-ups because that's just one lonely person, you know, <laughs> coming in and you don't even have to rehearse their thing. Right. Yeah. You know, they just stand and unless if they have like a certain joke that needs a close up, you know, you might do that or they'd hold up their shirt to make sure that it didn't pixelate. Right, right, right. Amazing. I love that you referenced Frank Black and Kim Deal because yeah, no other shows I feel like we're having the Pixies or members of the Pixies on national television. I think that's just so cool. Yeah. You know, in the circumstance of us not getting all the hot shit guests, which like I say, it's like that's the for me the most boring part is like, oh, okay, right. great. You know, people you've seen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, have this band that you see everywhere and on everything. Yeah. And it was Jim Pitt. Jim Pitt, the booker, did a really great job of doing that. That's incredible. That's so great. Well, we asked you about a nostalgic topic to talk about. I mean, we're already talking nostalgia, uh-huh. you guys. And something you wanted to talk about was the mall, yes. which we were really excited to talk about. What made you want to talk about the mall? I mean, I was born in 1966 and the mall, our mall, was the Fox Valley Mall in Aurora, Illinois. And it was a big indoor mall. I mean, I don't remember it as being when I was a little kid. So it must have like been built during my childhood. And then it became such an indelible part of my childhood because that's where you went to obviously buy your goods, but also (laughs) to just kill time. It was a social event. And it was I like so many kids and so many people, I think there's this kind of and I mean, it's a neurosis of like. The tying in of the acquisition of goods to feeling good. Yeah. You know, like buying things makes you feel good. 
So I was very much as a kid, you know, the notion of like going to the mall, that meant like the promise of something right. new and exciting, you know, like the acquisition of, and it could have been anything, you know, it could have been, you know, I don't know, some dumb toy or a, or a shirt or a magazine, but so much time spent at the mall yeah. in this closed off environment. And now I'm not a terribly old person. But the mall is dead. The mall is gone. It's so dead. It's wild. Yeah. It's so crazy. Our mall from growing up, Jonah, I don't know when was the last time you've been there. Been a while. But I was there, I think about a year ago. And it's like, nobody's there. It's completely dead. I don't even know how it's staying open. And I don't know why. I mean, I know, like, I guess it's online shopping. I mean, in the suburbs of Cleveland, where I'm from, They now have like all these outdoor kind of fancy malls where it's like kind of an outdoor thing. And it's like the Apple store and Whole Foods. Right, right. Those things seem popular still, but that's like a very different vibe. Yes. It's also so weird in Cleveland because it gets so cold from like the fall through the spring, basically. Yeah. And it's so strange that people would prefer to like walk around outside than to be. It's really weird, but I guess the overall thing is online shopping, right? Is that it's online shopping and big box stores. I mean, that's what, you know, any article will tell you about it, where for so many people and I don't, you know, because I'm a big, soft, bleeding heart liberal, like I don't shop at Walmart very much. Yeah. So I don't go to Walmart very often. But when I go to Walmart, it blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Like how much like that you can get eggs And a lawn tractor. (laughs) Yeah. Just how much stuff you can get there. And I live in Burbank and there's a Walmart in Burbank that I had never been to just because I would go to Target or I'd go to Costco otherwise. And it also was always so fucking crowded that I just was right. I just avoided it. And I had an electric car for a while. And in the Walmart parking lot, they have one of those super fast charger things. Yeah. I had to drive to see a relative that was kind of far and I had forgotten to plug the car. And so I knew that these existed. So I parked there and I knew, well, I, you know, I got time to kill. I'll go into Walmart. I came out with so much shit yeah. because I just was like, oh, my God, look at this. I could use some hand weights. <laughs> oh, look, here's, you know, <laughs> you know, like, oh, a basketball. I could actually, you know, th- we need a new basketball. Yeah. Just, I bought so much stuff because I just, you know, I was in there for like an hour just buying so much stuff. And that right there, that's the mall. Yeah. Yep. Everything that you could want out of the mall, you know. And even, you know, kind of the food court aspect of it is taken care of. Target has a Pizza Hut and a like a Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when I was a kid, everybody cried about the mall killing the small downtown businesses. Right. The mall was the evil place. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you were going to the mall a lot in like the 80s? We were going in the 90s. Do you feel like there's also just less to do? Like there was like less going on that people just went to the mall by default and now there's just more? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, here we are talking to each other on a computer and there's a whole world in there that like occupies so many. You know, my kids, uh, I mean, not so much anymore, but like they used to spend entire evenings just looking at YouTube videos. Yeah, Right, right, right. It's not watching TV. It's like really dipping into and all kinds of different. I mean, my kids still use... YouTube in very specific ways that I think are mostly kind of constructive. Like, you know, my kids, they're foodies, you know, and like they know about like street food from around the world. And like my daughter will sit and watch 
you know, Thai street food and, you know, wow. you know, Saudi Arabian street food, just all these videos about street food. And, you know, and my, and, you know, my son does the same thing. He'll, from when he was a teen, he would just watch with my son, especially it's mostly Asian stuff, but like he'd watch just like some fucking weird Thai soup and then go and make it. Like he didn't write it down or wow. anything, just watch wow. it and kind of learn to do it and just, and then would just be like, yeah. I need some lemongrass from the grocery store and then make this <laughs> amazing soup. And I'm not one to say like, oh, the Internet is is ruining us. And I mean, it is there are some ways that it's ruining us. Like, I think the proliferation of pornography is not good. But what are you going to do? You know, I mean, it's like right, right. Every technological advancement. One of the first things, you know, I'm sure that when the third person to get a, a motion picture camera said, we should get naked in front of this, you know, <laughs> right, like, right, and right. it's like when they first came up with the technology to, you know, everyone gets on an app and then they can interface with each other if they're in the same area, like within two seconds, that becomes grinder. Right. You know, right, it's right. like, how can we use this new thing to get laid or jerk off? Right. And so, yes, I think young people, especially like their sexuality. And I mean, there's all kinds of articles about it is kind of warped by the proliferation of porn, but there's, what are you going to do? Right, 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 right. We're a very horny species of ape. So we're always going to, you know, use whatever we can to chase that horniness. So, but I, you know, I do think a lot of it is, is fascinating. Yeah. You know, the, the, the things that people know now, when I was a kid, like I've said this before, I distinctly remember I was probably seven or eight, but being like, gosh, yogurt, what's yogurt? Like, I didn't know what yogurt was. Like I just in Yorkville, Illinois, my family never ate yogurt. We never encountered yogurt, but it was like, oh, wow, yogurt. What is, oh, and there's, there's jam on the bottom of it, you know, just Dan and fruit yogurt. And now I'm, I, you know, I mean, yeah. Who doesn't know what hummus is? Right, right, right. But right. I, you know, there definitely was a point in my. I would bet I would have been at least a teenager before it was like hummus. What's that? Yeah. Well, I think also some of that is being from the Midwest too. Is like, do you know roughly how old you were or what year it was when you found out what burrata was? Because I know being from Cleveland. I didn't learn what burrata was until I was like 30 and living in New York. I bet I was in New York. I bet I lived in New York. but I, I don't think yeah. burrata exists in the Midwest. <laughs> no, it all exists now. It all does It now. all exists now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I do think we taught our parents what it was recently. Andy, speaking of food, what was your mall food court? Where was your go-to place? Were you like a Sabaro kind of person or what was your go-to? My favorite one was there was a Greek restaurant. It was like a Euro stand and it was kind of sit down, you know, it was a sit down place. For all I know, they might even have had beer and wine, you know, I mean, because it was more of a restaurant-y type place. And also, too, there weren't, to my recollection, there weren't chains. Right. They were all, you know, like the pizza place was a pizza. It was just like Bob's Pizza or something like that. But the Greek one is the one I remember the most because Eros and kebabs and baklava, and I just really liked Greek food and Greek salads, you know, I really liked that place. And I liked the sit down aspect of it. You know, I like to luxuriate. So even as a kid. <laughs> sure, you know, sure. <laughs> it was very close to the record store. The record store was kind of in one of the lowest points. The food court was in the bottom. And the record store was kind of like on a little level as you went towards the food court. So the record store was, again, that was like the primo stop 
for me during the 80s. One of the topics that I gave you guys, which is a thing that I think about often, is that how many albums I bought unheard and that you didn't have a chance if you were going to buy like because in that time for me, it was new wave is the, I mean, alternative new wave. There wasn't any, you know, it was Elvis Costello kind of talking heads kind of vibe. And that wasn't really being played on the radio. Chicago has pretty good rock radio and there's still a station. There's a station called WXRT that's still kind of plays interesting alternative kind of music. But a lot of stuff. I didn't hear Elvis Costello on the radio. I just read, would read a lot about him and then, you know, would go and buy, just take a chance on, oh, you know, the specials, ska, what's ska, you know, and then you buy an album and you find out and then you buy a lot of shitty albums too. You buy a lot of, and they were cheaper. So it, it wasn't as big of a risk. It gave more of an adventurous kind of feel too. And buying albums just based on the cover art. Like, oh, this looks interesting, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't think there were more than seven bucks at a time. You know, I, I mean, it just, yeah. they were cheap. What was the record store? Do you remember what it was called at your mall? I don't. <laughs> you don't. Vanessa, you remember the one at our mall? Oh, yeah. Want to say it on the count of three? <laughs> one, two, three. Record, record Town. Town. <laughs> yeah, it was Record Town. And for everyone's bar mitzvah, you would get these little coins that were like five, ten, or fifteen dollar gift certificates. You could get a gift certificate just to the mall. Oh wow! Which you could spend at any store, or you could get actual Record Town coins that you could use at the record store. And that was like all I wanted was like to to get the Record Town. And this was like the era of like compact discs. Oh wow! Jonah, do you remember what your favorite place to eat before going to Record Town was? My most vivid memory of Record Town is that with one of these coins from my bar mitzvah, I bought the first. Body Count album. Okay. Which turned out to be really controversial and banned. Oh, wow. And I think I got like the very first shipment. But as far as the food court goes, <laughs> I don't really remember. Probably like Sabaro, probably just like some like bad chain pizza or something. I don't remember. What about you, Vanessa? Well, I was going to say one thing to say off of that was I remember when you were like going to Record Town all the time. And like when we were kind of like kids, like buying the albums with like the rating on them, like the, what was it? Oh yeah, the parental advisory. Yeah, the parental advisory thing was such a big thing because like yep. all of the stuff you were buying had parental advisory. And I remember our parents being like, they always would be like, oh boy. But now it, does the parental advisory still exist? I think it exists, but no one cares and everyone's like streaming it anyways for the most part. I don't know. What do you think, Andy? Is that like a thing? Do you look at what your kids are listening to as far as like, is there swearing in this music or is it just not a thing anymore? Yeah, I don't think it's a thing. No, I and I mean, I never cared. My parents never cared about that and they never cared about us watching R-rated movies. And I think it's, you know, I tried not to like swear around yeah. my kids, but ultimately I don't think a kid hearing you say fuck is going to right, turn them right, into right, a right, delinquent. Right. You know what I mean? It's so I never cared about that. And I also too was much more concerned about shielding them from extreme violence rather than yeah. sexual stuff. I mean, sexual stuff I kind of feel like eh. my ex-wife caught my son when he and a friend, they were maybe seven years old. It was our first awareness of him ever sort of looking at anything sexual and it was they had googled the word naked Very which cute. is just like the most darling thing you know i'm just was like oh but of course like i think that my son even might have alerted <laughs> my ex-wife because something so horrible and graphic came up right away yeah. that he was like mom help us like we're we're in too deep really uh, that's so know? cute yeah i yeah. was gonna say it's interesting because at that time Music was sort of like the way that people talk about video games now, where people thought that like music was going to like affect kids really negatively. And now people talk about like video game violence and that stuff. 
Anyway, so that was just a smart thought I had. A little social commentary. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I love to comment on the society, culture, etc. I was just going to say that my favorite place, I guess not to eat, but to get food from in the food court was called the Original Cookie Company. I believe that's what it was called. The Original Cookie Company, they made cookie cakes and they had them all out on display and they like had like M&Ms on them and stuff and they were so good. And then they got bought by Mrs. Fields. Uh-oh. I love Mrs. Fields. I have it for my birthday every year. I have a cookie cake for Mrs. Fields pretty much. But I don't know that Mrs. Fields is quite at the level of the original cookie company. And it breaks my heart. They had one of those too. And then it was like, you know, a giant decorated cookies for birthdays and things in place of a birthday cake. Yeah. But I always felt they were inferior cookies. Like those kind of like basically like groceries. I'm a snob. I mean, as you you know, you know, I know where my kids get it. Yeah, no, I think you're right though. You're making it in big quantities. It's really about more about like the presentation than like the actual cookie. I agree. I think that's totally true. Well, I wouldn't say that about the original cookie company though. Well, I guess we can't judge it anymore. All right, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Touching a nerve here. Vanessa's <laughs> very offended right now, I think. The other thing I wanted to bring up about like going to the mall is like the social element of it and like seeing friends there and stuff. But I do remember being like a kid, like being in like elementary school and going to the mall. And like if I would see like a boy there with like his mom, we would like pretend we didn't know each other. And I remember this particularly happening a lot at The Gap because Gap kids had like, you know, it wasn't like a store just for like girls or boys. And like, I remember so distinctly being at the mall and running and seeing Sean Schubert there with his mom and just being like, I can't, I have to just pretend I don't know this person. I don't know why. And then... This whole controversy happened not long after where Sean Schubert and Chrissy Zaytrock got the same Gap Kids turtleneck <laughs> and it was like maroon and black striped. And Chrissy was like, it was from the girls department of Gap Kids. And Sean was like, it was from the boys department. And we never settled. It was probably unisex. And also, who cares? It looked great on both of them. <laughs> right, exactly. It's a sweater. It's like, who cares? But it's funny because if they had seen each other at the mall at the same time, getting the shirt, they probably wouldn't have even talked. Right. But at school, the rules were different and they could go head to head. <laughs> you would run into kids that you knew at the mall, but because it was probably 15 miles away from our town, it was the mall for a bunch of different towns. Yes. So yeah, yeah. It wasn't like so that you had to feel like you were so in a fishbowl, you know, like it's like the grocery store, like when you, you know, see a teacher at the grocery store and it you panic for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do I go? What do I do? How do I hide? I saw a teacher, an ex-science teacher who started working at a gas station. Oh. And then I had a really weird interaction with him there. And then, of course, I went to school and told everyone this our old science teacher is working at this gas station. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as an adult, I feel so bad about that and feel like I should have just kept it to myself. Oh, Jonah. He was teaching and working at the gas station? No, he had stopped teaching and was uh, working at the gas station next to the Dunkin' Donuts I always hung out at. Oh, man. It was rough. Yeah, we had a teacher that worked at the mall part-time, but like in a department store. I can't remember which department store. I want to say maybe JCPenney, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Because there was Marshall Field, which was a Chicago department store, and then a JCPenney and a Sears. And there may have been one other one that I'm not, maybe a Carson Peary Scott, which was another Midwestern 
department store. Next time I'm in the area, I should go back and see them all because I have no idea what would be in there because A, it was so huge. Yeah. Because there's not a Sears anymore. And there's this gigantic Sears. And yeah. right, I mean, and JCPenney's are really reduced. And Marshall Field doesn't. Well, Marshall Field is now it's probably a Macy's because I think Macy's bought Marshall Field. But it's got to be just like, you know, there's a mall here in Burbank. There's a Bed Bath & Beyond and there's a World Market. But you can get to those like without having to actually enter into the big thing. Yeah. Into the big, you know, mall itself. They're on the edge. Right. But you go into that mall sometimes and it's just like, this is just, it's like I always say, it's like going over to dinner at a friend's house and then you find out a week later the parents are getting a divorce. It just feels like this place is sad and about to fall apart. Right, 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 right. There's just this air of tension and sadness and you know, potential disaster hanging over you. But that's probably more about me than about the mall. <laughs> well, on that <laughs> note, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Andy Richter. Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Okay, so Andy, now we're going to play a little game. I love games. This is going to be fun. It's called (laughs) Change.Dork. Change.Dork. Otherwise known as let's make fun of people who don't know how to use (laughs) Change.Org. So we found that Jonah specifically found that on change.org, you know, it's supposed to be for like social change and people bring these petitions up on change.org and they write these petitions to change things. But a lot of people make petitions for like kind of nostalgic and stupid things. But who am I to judge? So (laughs) what we're going to do is we're going to read three petitions and then at the end, We'll all say which one you would sign if you had to sign one of these actual real petitions that we found on change.org. Okay, wow. (laughs) Jonah, do you want to do the first one? Sure. So the first one, this one actually has a lot of signatures. This has 5,043 signatures. They're trying to get to 7,500. It's called Bring Back PB&J Oatmeal Pies. And you can direct where you want the petition to go to. This one's directed right at Little Debbie. (laughs) It says, recently, my sister sent me a Snapchat reminding me of a snack cake my family and I once had an immense love for. It was a Little Debbie snap cake, an oatmeal pie specifically, but it wasn't just any oatmeal pie. It was a PB&J oatmeal pie. What was once our favorite snack cake has disappeared. I spent countless hours trying to find them. eBay, Amazon, Mm -hmm. No Shade to Zebra Cakes, Star Crunch, or Raisin Cream Pies, but who really purchases and eats those? (laughs) My family and I would love to indulge in some PB&J oatmeal pies. So yeah, as I said, there's a couple comments on here. 5,000 signatures. They're trying to get to 7,500. Andy, what do you think about this idea to bring back PB&J oatmeal pies? Uh, (laughs) It's just... I mean, I'm just going to sound like a dick when I say like, is that really like what (laughs) with all that's going on? You know, you could do a podcast called with all that's going on in the world that would just be addressing people's waste of time. And I actually do know the little Debbie's oatmeal cookie pies, but not a PB&J one. They just had like some sort of vague profoundly margarine-based cream center. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of good, but it's also kind of like, well, why don't you get some oatmeal cookies and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with them? That's something we've found a lot with these petitions is people like are petitioning so hard for things that would be pretty easy for them to make. For example, a lot of people want like adult-sized Lunchables where we're like, just get two Lunchables. Right. Right. Or make a sandwich. Yeah. Or they have like grown up ones with fancier meats and cheeses. So, yeah. I mean, what's stopping you? <laughs> right. People love the little squares that the Lunchable stuff is in. And also, I'm sure that the Little Debbie PB&J things are just like a nightmare of chemicals. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Yeah. There's probably no actual peanuts in it. There's probably yeah. no actual fruit. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. all just yeah. palm oil. Yeah. Just one big palm oil chunk. Okay. But 5,000 signatures. It seems like this is something that's resonating with people. Yeah, (laughs) it's real groundswell. (laughs) This next one, Jonah, even though usually we switch off, I'm going to let you do because I feel like you found this one and it really seems like I'd like you to do it. (laughs) I wish I could explain to you too the process of me finding these and the keywords I type into change.org. This one is called (laughs) Warner Brothers. Take responsibility for the disaster that Lethal Weapon has become. (laughs) 
There's 1,332 signatures on this. Take responsibility. Like (laughs) Warner Brothers is going, they're just organically popping up. They're growing like mold. So this petition is directed to Fox Broadcasting Company and this guy, Kevin, I might mispronounce their last name, but he's a CEO of Warner Brothers. So this person, you know, did their homework. This is summary. We all know the many failings that have plagued the set of Lethal Weapon. Warner Brothers has grossly neglected this show. They need have not taken to task those who desperately need it. Okay. We, the fans, are furious over the way this has been mishandled from the start and demand Warner Brothers pick up their act immediately. This is about so much more than a TV show and the wrong firing of an actor. So this is about someone getting fired, I guess, from Lethal Weapon. I didn't even know there was a TV show. I didn't either. either. I thought they were talking about the movie. but No, I guess it's about this guy, Clayne Crawford, who was the star of the show. And I guess, yeah, I thought it was about the movie too. Did this guy do something really bad and I'm like make a joke about it? I don't know. Well, we're going to find out. Oh, I guess admit reports of bad behavior and incidents of hostility between the cast and crew. He was fired after two seasons. Okay, so I don't know. I didn't know about that. I thought this was more about Lethal Weapon, the movies. Right, so did I, so did I. <laughs> you know, it's interesting though that the petition is, not to cancel the show, but to take responsibility (laughs) for the disaster that has become. We, the fans, are furious over the way this has been mishandled from the start and demand that Warner Brothers pick up their act immediately. It's like, he's using such non-concrete. Yeah. Like, what would he like to happen? A statement to be released from Warner Brothers? A public apology, maybe? We fired this guy. He really, like, was difficult to work with, but we know that he was great TV. And for that, we are sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just looked at my phone, too, and it says there was a clash with co-star Damon Wayans. So, like, they would have to then somehow mediate right i'm sure you know between damon wayans and this guy yeah some sort of reproachment yeah <laughs> a you know like just the the weird syntax will tell you this person probably <laughs> I, I don't want to be unkind you know what i mean but maybe isn't like the sharpest media critic out there right 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 one thing we noticed about these positions too is like People try to use very formal language in these petitions, like grossly neglected, like try to make them sound very official. Right, right. Yeah. And they probably fail miserably most of the time, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems like this is falls under the category of baby wants. You know, baby wants. And it's sort of like, you know what? You don't own that TV show. And one of my general beefs with fandom is often like this whole idea that Somehow these people are owed something above and beyond the television show. Like that's the exchange. We make a television show and you watch it. So the deal is done. Like, so all this stuff about you owe it to us. No, no, they don't. They don't. That's like going after paying for your meal at McDonald's go. Oh, and you also owe me, you know, a shake. I paid for my meal, but I also want a shake on top of it. Like, no, you have to pay more for it. So, like, if you want more of this show, sorry, they're not making it anymore. Just (laughs) they gave you three glorious seasons um, of an unoriginal content, you know, based on, you know, um, based on a very bloated you know, series of films. Sorry, it wasn't up to snuff. Were you really that shy? Like, I mean, the last like Lethal Weapons things, he was like driving a car down an elevator shaft or something. You know, it's like, did you really think? Oh no, we're getting, they're going to get back to the back to the roots, back to the yeah. real. You know, yeah, the primo. I'm getting too old for this shit. You know. Well, it's also like 
Someone commented on the petition who signed it and was like, now without this guy being in the show, I'm not going to watch. It's like, <laughs> okay, just don't watch. <laughs> okay. No one's forcing right. you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Usually, well, I don't know if people would know this, but it's like probably everyone on that show was so happy to see that guy go. Yeah, <laughs> Like totally. they were just so, you know, they were just like, oh, thank God that fucking dick is gone. Yeah. And we can just like make our stupid show now. Right. And blow things up and then be home at a decent hour. But no, like that doesn't matter to people. It's like, no, I, I like that asshole that made your lives miserable. Yeah. And probably made the days longer and, you know. Yeah. Made editing a nightmare and uh, just, no, I have no sympathy for this. All right. All right. I'm ready for number three. Give it to me. Okay, get ready for number three. I found this one. It's called Twinkies in the Cafeteria. Okay. <laughs> the lack of food in the cafeteria has led to people fasting, going hungry, and making people sad. <laughs> making people sad. This was a student who wrote this, Nathan, and he started this petition to the principals at this school called, well, I don't know how to pronounce it, but this school. I'm sure the principals check change.org all the time. Yes, for any of course. Student complaints. To continue with his statement, we believe that Twinkies of all types should be sold in the cafeteria. We think that people would buy them and eat them so they will not be hungry. Hopefully our petition will help spark a revolution in our average school lunches. Now, 290 people have signed this. So this is from this student. This is the first time I've ever seen this. This is kind of an interesting petition. So he made this petition and then he did an update to it. Okay. He did an update maybe like a year later and he wrote September 9th, 2020. It comes with great sadness that I must tell everyone that I'm stepping back from being the leader of this petition. I am now in the 10th grade and it just doesn't make sense for me to stay in charge of this petition. <laughs> I don't go to the door is the name of the school anymore. I may pass this petition off to adore eighth grader or seventh grader if they feel they are worthy. If I feel they are worthy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm done with this petition and I'm retiring from the position of leader. It was a great journey, but as they say, <laughs> all good things must come to an end. If you would like to be the new leader, if anyone sees this, email me and then he gives his email. Have fun, stay safe, and never give up. You all have a future ahead of you and it's in your hands to shape it into what you want it to be. <laughs> oh my God. And this is all about Twinkies. <laughs> this is a kid who got 290 signatures about getting all kinds of Twinkies in the cafeteria. <laughs> and he's stepping back from his role as leader. It's also good for him for like giving himself that importance of right, like, right. I'm the leader of this. Like it's with great sadness that I stepped down. It's kind of like, have you ever seen people on social media that, you know, like announce their breakup and you're like, oh, I didn't even know right. you were like, I don't care. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And like the like, thing too is like announcing you're taking a break from Twitter. Like yes, those big oh, announcements. That's the most, that's the modern day version. Right, right. I'm taking a break from Twitter and you're like, I don't, that's fine. All like, right. Yeah. If you went away, I would just, you know, you know, okay. Totally, totally. I took a break from Twitter for like almost three years and I don't think anyone <laughs> ever asked me about it. Jonah, you should have announced it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's with great sadness. I must tell everyone I'm stepping back from the leader of this position. Like he's acting like he was like. I think he's making a little bit of a joke. I think they're being a little self-aware about it, which I can appreciate. Yeah. I mean, this is so over the top. It's got to be. It's got to be. I don't know, bit. Jonah, because he gives his email for anyone who wants to take over. And he's like, it could maybe be a seventh or eighth grader. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he's kidding. I think they maybe people were like throwing Molotovs at his house and stuff. 
firing straight bullets into the house. No Twinkies. Now we get to each vote on which petition we would sign if we had to sign them. I'm going to remind you of what they are. I will say, because if this kid is being serious, good for him for like creating a role for himself and giving himself that important role. And then if he's joking, this is so funny. Yes. Well, what I don't understand is that he's saying people are going hunger and fasting, but they have other food, I assume, just not Twinkies. Like there's other things you can eat. I think his point is if the food isn't good, then people will not Okay, eat. got it, got it. Better to give the kids a choice of garbage. It's like kids won't eat the food, the supposedly quote unquote good food, so they're not eating anything. Would not it be better to feed them garbage, the garbage that they crave? Yes. Got it. Then at least they're getting, you know, some nourishment, you know? Yeah. Got it. Okay, Vanessa, why don't you recap them for us and then we can take the vote. So the first one is Bring Back PB&J Oatmeal Pies by Little Debbie. The second one is Warner Brothers take responsibility for the disaster that Lethal Weapon has become. <laughs> and the third one is Twinkies in the Cafeteria. Andy. Which would you sign? Which one are you signing? Now, I'm going to say, for me, it's an easy choice of the third one because it's sort of, you know, it's cute. And like you say, there's the outside <laughs> chance that it's a joke, which is pretty great. Yeah. And I also, too, like, you should not go much past eighth grade for being concerned with like the kid, like the person with the PB and J one should read this one from the eighth grader and go like, Oh Christ, I'm a grown person. And my priorities are the same as this eighth grader. And they should take a real long, hard look at themselves. So I much rather like the third one, but I would be afraid that my vote would somehow encourage them to continue this behavior into adulthood. Like that they're going to eventually grow into the PB&J petitioner. Right, right. But at any rate, with these three choices, it's a it's an easy one. The Twinkie Kid. Yeah. Twinkie Kid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jonah? Yeah, I agree with Andy on this. You know, I think there's enough junk food out there Little Debbie's makes. I'm sure the Lethal Weapon thing is just bizarre. Yeah, and I like just the way this is phrased. I do think there's some self-awareness. If not, there's this person put time into writing it. It's like inspirational. If you could apply this somewhere else, maybe outside of Twinkies, it could be really effective. That's the one I would assign hypothetically. I'm not going to sign any of these. (laughs) Vanessa, what about you? I would agree because the other thing is, I don't think that this kid or the kids that he's inspiring will turn into the little Debbie's person because... He said, like, I'm in 10th grade now. It's time to move on. Yeah. As you pointed out, Andy. So it's like he's just inspiring these kids to go for what they want. And if he's joking, he is so funny. And I really hope that he goes into comedy. Yeah. Like he wrote that so seriously. But if he's not joking, he really gave himself an incredible role that he really believed in. And it's kind of like if you see it that way, then it is that way. You know what I mean? Perspective is, you know... I wish I had like a real quote to say here, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I know exactly. What yeah, yeah. Perspective is, you know, perspective is, you know. And on that <laughs> note, Annie, we had such a great time with you. Where can people <laughs> oh, find thank you? you? It was fun. It was fun. Oh, well, they can find me on Twitter at Andy Richter, Instagram at Richter, comma, Andy, all the words written out. And the three questions is my podcast, which it's official today. All Team Coco was bought by Sirius XM. Oh, my God. Wow. All of the team, I think there's 10 Team Coco podcasts, maybe 11, will be available on Sirius XM now. So Incredible. Uh, wow. I don't know really functionally what difference that'll make, <laughs> but it's official, you know, and, you know, I'd known about it for a little bit, which was funny because, you know, I've been doing podcasts remotely 
for years, a couple of years now, obviously, because of COVID. Yeah. And I just recently, I was told by someone, our executive producers called me and said, hey, Conan's going to sell the Sirius. Don't tell anybody. And like two days later, they're like, you're going to interview Henry Winkler at Sirius XM Studios. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a tip off that, you know, Conan and I are now recording in Sirius XM Studios. I think people would probably put it together, but, you know. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Right, so right. now so- apparently we're available on the Sirius XM app. And also an exciting part of it that I was unaware of is that Conan will have a curated comedy channel on Sirius XM. So incredible. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I, I'd be interesting to see what he does with that. Amazing. And you recently had Jesse Klein on your podcast, who is a showrunner for Vanessa's series. I love that for you. On for Showtime. my show. Yeah. 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 And I think she plugged it. Yeah. She she better have. Yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> she did. But she was mostly, I think, because she has a book yes. coming out. Her or book. That, I know. She has this incredible book. Her book is so wonderful. Yeah, but she's very, very funny. So you're lucky. You're lucky. I only work with hacks. You, you're oh, come work on. on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, thank you so much. That was really fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird? Where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like hanging at the mall. Yeah. 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 Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.